0: Welcome to the Life House podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I get, to, um, I get to come up here and share. Uh, I like to put this on the side a little bit. There we go. I get to share part two of our favour and grace series. And, and last week we had Josh on the big screen. He uh, was like his whole face was right there. It was amazing. And, um, and, but actually next week, he, he's coming out Monday, isn't he? Locked out on Monday. So uh, it's going to be good to see him in the flesh again and um, actually kind of talk without having to go through a phone. Um, but yes, yeah, so he spoke on favour and grace and, and the, the uh, Luke 4, Isaiah 61 passage, and this week I'm going to share on uh, part two of that. So before I, um, I do that, I want to uh, pray, well, I, I kind of want to pray, but I want more for you guys to pray and reach out in faith. I don't know if you realise it, but God, um, he has answers for you this morning. If you're struggling through things, if you're facing things, he wants to speak to you. So I just want to encourage people to take a breath. That's what the prayer about I'm about to pray is. It's not I'm necessarily praying for you, but I'm wanting you to reach out to God in your heart and say, God, what do you want to say to me? So, Father, we we come here this morning and, and as we pause, there's people here that are reaching out to you, God. They're asking you to speak. They're, they're building their faith that maybe this morning you could change something in their hearts or open their minds and help them to understand something that they didn't understand before. So as they do that, God, I ask, fulfill that this morning. Respond to their faith. Do something in their hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to start off by uh, reading Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 17. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. I was talking about Jesus. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to proclaim. The year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began by saying to them, "Today, as you listen, Scripture has been fulfilled." As some say, uh, some versions say, Scripture has been fulfilled today in your Presence right now, right here. I'm the guy, that's what Jesus is saying. So he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's uh, anointed me to bring good news to the poor, Uh, he sent me to heal the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Favor. So today I want to talk about favor. What is favor? What is favor? I love going to the movies and I, I do it kind of probably a few times a year. Who likes the movies? Who stays home and watches Netflix? <laughs> yeah. And when I go to the movies, I, um, I started this habit a while ago, probably when me and Holly were first married. Where is Holly? Oh, she's over the back. And uh, I get the ice cream cone with the dipped in chocolate thing. You know, like, like who does that? It's like a movie thing. It's, it's like when I go to the show, I like getting a with dog. They're not that great, but I just feel like it's only the show if you get mild food poisoning from a dag with dog, right? It's like you got to, it's part of it. And so I go, to the sh- I go to the movies and I started getting the ice cream. And, and that was great, you know. They, look the, sh- the cone's usually a bit soggy and the ice cream's usually poor quality, but I f- it makes me feel like I'm at the movies, you know. But then I, uh, I discovered this thing. This particular cinema didn't have those and I was looking through the, the options and I chose this thing called a Magnum Ego. Like a Magnum Ego. Who's had a Magnum Ego? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Wow. <laughs> Let me educate you, okay? Now, your normal, your normal ice cream is, is fine, but, but most of you would have had a Magnum, right? And, and the normal Magnum, like I'm not trying to diss them. They are great, right? They're great because they take the good quality ice cream. It's got the high cream content. It tastes like it's cream Wayne would really know what's in it, probably not cream, but it tastes like cream, it's rich, it's kind of like, whoa, right? And then they dip it in chocolate and that's a magnum. Now, a magnum ego is they take a normal magnum, ice cream, they dip it in chocolate, then they dip it in caramel and then they dip it in chocolate again. The only thing that confuses me is if that's an option, why anyone chooses anything else? Because you get the normal Magnum with more caramel and more chocolate. Anyway, I'm getting a bit carried away. This is only meant to be like a one minute. But I just love them, right? And so when I look upon the ice cream selection, my eyes are drawn ego It's my favourite. I favour it. I look upon it. Holly laughs at me sometimes. She catches me out because I get this little funny face. I don't really know what I look like, but apparently as I'm unwrapping ice cream, I smile. <laughs> I just got to go, I have this goofy kind of look where I'm like just imagining how good this is going to taste, right? It's like I see it. And something in my spirit just, it's just like a little leap, you know. What do I look like? <laughs> okay, for those of you on the live feed, Holly said that I don't look at her like that. I don't know if that's entirely fair, but anyway... Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move along. But, but I get this look on my face, right, where it's just like I'm super excited. So favour, I favour it. Now last week, um, Beck shared in our lead to worship, she shared beautifully on, on Psalm 119. And remember when she said, the Lord is my portion. And that verse is Psalm 119, is just a beautifully written kind of uh, chapter. And, and it gets down kind of halfway down, uh, number 50, it's 57, and it says, Lord, you're my portion. And in this, he's explaining this idea of favor and grace. He says, Lord, you're my portion. You have promised to, I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor. With my whole heart. Be merciful and gracious to me according to your promise. I considered my ways. I turned my feet to obey your testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep your commands. He says, God, I want your favour and your grace. So favour, what does favour mean? It can mean like this, this favourite thing, looking at the ice creams and desiring it. And here, uh, the, the, uh, the King David, the King David, here David says, I want your favour. So what's that word mean? Now the word favour in this verse in the Hebrew means panim, P-A-N-I-M, panim, panim and it means it means face it means the look it's like the look i give holly i'm sure <laughs> and the and the ice cream of my dreams it's here king david is saying god i desire you i want you to look at me I want you to look at me with favor. I want your smile, God. Who's experienced that? Do that you, you feel like you want to be noticed? You want someone to see you in the crowd. But what King David is saying is more than that. He's like, I want that from God. I mean, we all desire to be noticed, to be that twinkle in the eye when someone looks at you with with favour and looks at you and thinks good things. But favour in the Bible often means that. That desire that people are saying, God, I want you to favour me. I want you to to see me out of all the other ice creams in that cabinet that you would look at me and you would smile, right? And here we see... uh, King David, he, his desire is for that. And so, and so to, to get that smile, to get that look, he makes a promise to God. He says, God, I want that smile. I want your face to, to look at me. And, and for that, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your commands. I'm going to try my best to get everything right. I'm going to follow these commands. So what commands is, is David talking about? So I was kind of doing a bit of research on the, uh, on the Ten Commandments as I was preparing this. And I kind of like, obviously, most of us have a bit of a clue of what the Ten Commandments are. And, um, and I thought to myself, yeah, I'll just have a quick look through them. Because I thought they were kind of pretty easy to tick off. But I'll, I'll tell you now, I was, um, I was a bit shocked. So the first one is, uh, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And I, as I thought, well, how am I going with that one? God, have I put you first? Have I always thought more about what you want than anyone else? Or have there been times in my life where, and maybe still, that I care more about what others think? Have I given in to peer group pressure? Have I cared more about my comfort than you? Have I, in a sense, worshipped things and thought they were going to make me happy instead of you? And I had to admit, well, I failed that one. I failed that one. That's that's a tough one, right? That's a, But the rest will be easy, okay? Don't worry, guys, if you're going through this with me. I'm sure we'll get the rest of them all right, so the number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. so I think what that means is to always speak respectfully of God. Um, the The Hebrew people wouldn't even speak his name because they honored it so much, so I guess that means uh, I guess that means that time. That I kicked my toe on the washing machine and and said, "Well, I won't tell you what I said. Maybe that time i wasn't entirely reverent when I spoke about God when I maybe made a religious joke. Oh, heck, all right, let's move on. We're struggling with that one. Number three, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. To put one day and dedicate it to God only. So not do anything else but serve him and honour him and not do any work and not do anything for yourself. Okay, failed that one. Honor thy father and mother. Fail that one. Alright. Thou shalt not murder. Yes. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, alright. Who else? Who else is winning on that one? Alright. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Yeah, okay, I'm doing alright there. But then as I was about to pat myself on the back, God reminded me that Jesus said. Hey Mark, um, remember that verse where Jesus said that if you've ever hated anyone or had lust for someone or desired someone in your heart, you've stuffed those up. You've actually committed the sin of murder and adultery. And I thought, God, I didn't really want you to remind me of that. I was doing so well. So that one... All right. Number seven, thou shalt not steal. Now, I had this memory um, of me being pushed around in a trolley through the Woolworth supermarket and me grabbing a handful of beans when my mum wasn't watching. And I ate these beans. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, I have stolen, but I was pretty little. Uh, and then he reminded me, well, Mark, yeah, that's, that's great, but you know that... Um, you know, if, there were, if there's ever been a time where you haven't really given your full at work, that's stealing. If you've ever taken a, a long lunch break or knocked off early, that's stealing. If you haven't paid your full taxes, that's stealing. And he kind of went on a bit more. Okay, so number eight. Thou shall not bear witness against thy neighbour. And I remembered all the times that I haven't spoken completely fair about someone. That maybe I've torn down their character or exaggerated something when it wasn't really fair. So that one's a big cross. Number nine and ten thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet their neighbour's wife, animals, or anything else of their neighbour. Desire. Ever wanted something, been jealous. <sighs> so these aren't so easy, are they? I actually thought I was going to get one or two. I failed all of them. I failed every single one. And so we've got this word favor in Psalm 119, Panim, being that God would look upon us with favor and smile due to something in us that's good. And the psalmist is saying, God. That you would look upon me with favour and I got to the end of these commandments, which was his intention. I'm going to keep these things, God. I'm going to do what you ask me to do and then you're going to smile upon me, God. That's what I desire and I thought, what? And to be honest, I did try, and I still failed everyone, and maybe, maybe I'm not alone. This is what I want to share now. This is, this is Jesus. This is what he said. Isaiah 61, the word of favor is not that. That's the the thing I want to share today. That's what I want to get in our hearts. The word favour when he says, I declare the year of the Lord's favour is not smiling upon someone who's got everything right kind of favour. It's not me looking that goofy look at the magnum because I'm just so excited because of its physical attributes and how it's just so much better than the other magnums. It's not that kind of favour. The, the, the word favor in Isaiah 61 is raison. rason. Rason. R A S O N. In fact, they, they kind of say it with a little bit of a roll of the tongue, which I can't really do, but it's kind of like rason kind of thing. Rason. It kind of sounds French. Rason. It's not panim, it's not face, it's not smile. What does Rasson mean? Rasson means favour, but more than that. Let's have a look in the Bible in the first time it's written. Well, it's the second time. The first time uh, Rasson is written and it means, it's in Genesis, and it means like, I've decided what's good in my eyes. So it's kind of like it means that someone has, has has decided to do what they think is good, and and it it means that at the start and there's, a, there's only a couple of instances where it means that, but mostly it means uh, in Exodus twenty-eight. It's the first time in the Bible that it's it's mentioned, and and it sets a precedent from this point on. Rassan means. Means this. Let, let's have a look at Exodus twenty-eight thirty-six and explore this meaning. So this is Moses and he's speaking to the people. God's been speaking to him and he, and he's telling Moses what to do. Uh, you are to make a pure gold medallion and engrave it like the engraving of a seal. Fasten it to a cord of blue yarn so it can be placed on the turban like the, like the headdress. The medallion is to be on the front of the turban and it will be on Aaron's forehead. Now, he was the first priest. It will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron may bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings that the Israelites, Israelites consecrate as all their holy gifts is to always be on his forehead so that they may find Rason. So that they may find Rason, favour, acceptance with the Lord. So, this word rason means more than, uh, than a smile upon someone who deserves it. It's more than that. What it means is, it's, is it means more like what was not acceptable was made acceptable. That's kind of what it means. It's like favour, but it's something that wasn't favourable. Something that wasn't acceptable in its own merits, but it has that placed upon it. Rasson. And that makes a lot of sense. To look at... Uh, at Isaiah 61 at the full chapter and I'll just kind of flick through it and you'll see what I mean so he says the spirit of this is like the start but then Jesus pauses but if we look through the whole thing I think we get a bit of an idea around what Jesus was alluding to so the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. I'm just going to pause there. Why are people in prison? Generally, there's a reason, right? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance and to comfort all who Mourn to provide for those who mourn in Zion to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and festive oil instead of mourning. So we, we kind of see this Rasson scenario happening where he's placing something on a group of people that didn't have it, splendid clothes instead of despair, that they will be called. Righteous trees. Who? The prisoners, those that mourn, the brokenhearted. To glorify him. You will be called who? The people that mourn, the people that are prisoners and captives. You'll be called the Lord's priests. What? They will speak to you as ministers of... Of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations. You will boast of their riches. We get another clue here. In place of your shame. See, this verse is not talking about people who are in prison for a worthy cause. We're not talking about captives that have done nothing wrong. They've got shame. In place of your shame. We have a double portion in place of disgrace. They will rejoice over their share, so they will possess double in their land, and eternal joy will be theirs, their descendants will be known among the nations, their prosperity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are the people the Lord has blessed. They of all people, what? People with shame, people with disgrace, people that are broken. And this is the response. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. I will exalt in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a groom wears a turban. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for the earth produces its growth and the garden enables what is sown to spring up, like that so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. He will cause, it's Rasson, right? It's like, It's like that scene with the priest. That the priest would carry the guilt that the favour would be on the people. This is is what he's talking about. And as I was reading this, especially around this idea of being roathed in righteousness, it it reminded me a lot of um, the, the story of the prodigal son. And I won't go into it, most of you guys would, would know the idea of it, that there was this kind of bad son, he comes home and the father puts this, because like, he's got ripped clothes and he smells like pig manure and he's, but, and he's made mistakes, but the father puts this thing on him that he doesn't deserve It just reminded me of that, you know. And I remember as a kid, you know, like as a teenager, going through the Bible and, and reading that that story Jesus told and just feeling like, could it? God, you know, because I was going through stuff at the time. I I was a teenager and I was struggling with wanting to be a good person, but I was stuffing up, I was getting angry at my parents, I was... Giving into peer group pressure at school and saying and acting in a way I didn't want. I had lust issues and I was just struggling with so much. And I remember going through and coming across this story and thinking, God, it sounds too good to be true. Like, I just remember it moved me. Me thinking, Like, that's how you treated him. Could, God, could that be, could you do that to me? Could it be possible that it seemed too good to be true that God could be really like that? That somehow look past that and bless me anyway, want to give me righteousness as a gift instead of me earning it. I just couldn't, I don't know, has anyone else thought, What really, really God? Like, you for real. So Jesus is trying to get this point across. This Isaiah 61 that he read out wasn't an accident because he, he kind of pushes this point again and again and again. He tells it through the Beatitudes on the Sermon of the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the brokenhearted. He, he tells it with the prodigal son's story. If you look at it, Jesus only kind of preaches one sermon. This is it. So he's trying to get something across. What is he trying to get across to us? And I think what he's trying to get across to us is that there is a big problem. There's a big problem. And it's pride. It's pride. Let me explain. There's going to be a couple of photos up on the, up on the wall in a second. So when Drew was three... He, uh, we were talking one day and, and we started talking a bit about, you know, I think we we're going to go somewhere. And, and Drew kind of said, Look, Dad, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll go slow for you. And I was like, what? what? What are you talking about? And he said, Well, you know, on account that, like, kids are faster than adults, you know, like, because adults are slow. And I said, Son, look, adults are faster than kids. And he thought I was joking. Like, he, he laughed and was like, yeah, yeah good one, Dad. <laughs> and I, I realised that he was, like, serious. He's like, I'm like, no, son, like, you understand that, like, I'm faster than you. Like, you're three. And he's like, no, Dad. Like, I'm fast and you're slow. And I realised he'd never seen me run. Because I got home from work and... And, you know, probably like, he, you know, you can't really remember when you're one, one and a half. So from the time he was probably two or three, I'd been really busy. I was running youth group. And, and I'd taken him for walks. We'd been to playgrounds. But I was just so exhausted. I'm just standing around with a cup of coffee going, yeah, run. you know, Have fun. I'm just standing there. So he didn't know I could run. And he just assumed that all adults were like that. And I said, no, son, look, you've got to understand. And I thought, okay, all right. What I've got to do is we, we've got to – so I said, okay. What we're going to do, Drew, is we're going to have a race just to see what's actually going on here. And so if you want to put the first picture up. So we, we prepared and, uh, you know, I, put, I found some short shorts and uh, put a bandana on my head and we started stretching and we, we marked out that was going to be the first person to the letterbox. And so we're all getting prepared and Holly's recording it. Look at Drew, he's so flippin' cute. He's still cute. Look at him. Gorgeous. And uh, so we're, we're getting... Look at my skinny legs. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, I've got my Dunlop volleys on and we decided we we're going to kind of sprint up to the letterbox. And so do you want to play the reel? Let's see how it went. We are having the kids versus dad race. Drew versus daddy. Who will be the winner? We shall see. They're a bit tired. Who is gonna win? The winner's daddy! Well done, dad. Well, there you go. The 10 commandments is that race. Drew, I didn't want to crush Drew. I didn't want him to think that he was less than what he was, but he didn't understand. He thought he was up here and he thought I was down here. And the Ten Commandments are there to show us that God doesn't rely on us. We're not up here and he's down here. He is up here. He does all of them in his sleep. The Ten Commandments, he doesn't even need to try. It's his nature. He's not an adulterer. He never thinks of himself first. He's up here. And we're down here, and they're not meant. The Ten Commandments is not meant to show anything but the truth of our state. We are broken, we're captive to our sin and our shame. And it's meant to expose our pride. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, rest- recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and announce the year of the Lord's favor. Ras on that he wants to place something on us. The priest would carry the guilt. Jesus Christ, the ultimate priest, carrying our guilt for us, that he might place the robe of righteousness on us. There's two ways to get God's favor. We get everything right, or we mourn for our true state. We accept our shame. We receive his favour. We accept our disgrace, but we receive his righteousness in that place, not earned but provided for by Jesus Christ who War, the guilt and the shame and the disgrace on his forehead. Holy is the Lord for us like Aaron the priest. So 2022, I want us as a church to be done, to be done with measuring our moral muscles, even today, before I got up here on stage, I, I said, God, would you give me your anointing? And I started to go through in my head the kind of week I'd had. Like it could, like God, you know, how have I been? I've really tried to, like it could possibly justify his presence. No. Having a good week does not justify the presence of God and His righteousness being placed on Him. Our recognition for our state is only... That is the gospel. That we accept our need and He provides. He provides. And when we do that, He does look at us like... The ego ice cream, like we're the best thing in the fridge, even though we don't deserve it, because Jesus. So, twenty twenty two, I want us to be done with measuring our moral muscle, trying to work out if we're good enough to do this or to do that, or or to be to be have God's pleasure on us, and accept that He just. Gives it to receive his grace, to receive rassom, his favor. Can we make that deal today? Would you be willing to let God do that work in your heart and give you his favor? So, step one for 2022. Is I want us to grasp that with two hands and hold on to God's favor. I want us to place it on our head like the armor of the Lord to recognize our salvation is Him. I want us to wear it on our chest. Because it's His righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. I want us to wrap it round our waist as our truth. I want us to hold it in our hands, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. And I want us... To wear it on our feet as we walk out the gospel message to the lost people out there. I um um this week I had a, an old youth group member who was went to youth group when I was um, leading it and and she texted me and she said you know she she she'd written a song and she wanted. Uh, me to see if I could find it for her because I recorded it on a computer, but it, it's long gone. You, you know, the computer died ten years ago. And I said, "Why don't you come to church?" What she said broke my heart because she said, "Mark, look, since I've left youth, things are really gone wrong, and and I'm I'm an addict." I wouldn't fit in there. That were exact words. I wouldn't fit in. God. I tried to explain that she. It was, she fit in just fine, but she, she didn't understand. That's our message, right? That's our message. We need to get it out there. We need to get it in our heart. Rassom, favour for those that don't deserve it. We need to get it in our heart. We need to eat it every day. We need to walk in it and we need to walk it out there. We need to share it with our neighbours. We don't want to be telling them any other gospel. We don't want to be telling them, oh, look, you know, you've got to wear these clothes to go to church. You, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. Okay, like when you stop swearing, yeah, come to church. When you stop drinking, when you stop your problems, when you stop arguing with your missus. No, Rasom, that is our message, church. That's it. That's our message. And let's make 2022 year of God's favour. Maybe, maybe we could say it like this. Because he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set favor, free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Would you stand? Father, I thank you for your favour. Rasom. God, I've tried. I've tried to get everything right and i failed miserably. But God, you picked me up from where I was. You brushed me off and through the mighty actions of my, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, he carried my guilt and my shame and you've placed on me righteousness for anyone who admit their state, admit that they lost the race, it's for them too. So God, I pray that we would grasp hold of this, this year, that us as a church would make it our catchphrase. This is our call, God, that we would wear it on our head, wear it on our heart, wear it on our feet, and we would proclaim the year of the Lord's favour to the people we come across in this world. God, that is the gospel we want to have on our lips. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, too Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember... The door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.